Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Hi folks, it's Helia. There's a virtual take on board event coming up featuring the awesome Morgana Ryan and we are going to talk all things strategy, a key thing for boards to think about. This event is on the Tuesday the 25th of May and you'll get to meet others from the take on board community. There's not many tickets left so please book soon. I look forward to seeing you there. Okay, enough from me, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking to Margot Foster about being an effective board member. First, let me tell you about Margot. Margot is on the boards of Motorsport Australia, the Sports Environment Alliance, Sports Integrity Australia Advisory Council and the Olympians Club of Victoria. She's previously been on a number of boards. Let me just name a couple of them. Vic Sport, Gymnastics Australia, PLC School Council, Vic Health, Australian Sports Commission, Sport New Zealand, Rowing Australia, Rowing Victoria, Melbourne Major Events, Melbourne and Olympic Parks Trust, Melbourne 1996 Olympic bid. So many boards. So Margot describes herself as a lapsed lawyer and she ran her own practice for more than 30 years. She's also an Olympic and Commonwealth Games medalist in rowing. I don't get to speak to an Olympian every day, so I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. Margot's always been interested in governance and helping to make organisations be the best they can. She now runs her own board leadership and governance training program and consults to boards. She's also an advisor to sports leaders and hosts quarterly lunches for women who work in sport. Margot enjoys writing, reading, golf, dining, and as you can tell from what you've heard, solving problems. I cannot wait for the conversation today. So welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Margot. Thank you very much, Helia. Lovely to be here. It is fabulous. So you're going to have so much that we can share about being an effective board member. But before we dive into that, let's dig a little bit deeper about you. Can you tell me about your upbringing and what lessons you learned, what you got up to and what the leading influences 
were on how you thought and what you did? That's a big opener and uh, leaves me with lots of scope to think about and talk about my upbringing in my childhood and to thank my parents really for all that they did to me. And I guess I haven't really been thinking about my background or rather I'd taken it for granted for a, a very long time. It's only recently that I've begun to really appreciate the opportunities that my parents provided me. And I think it's exemplified by the fact that in when I was 13, they sent me on a trip to Southeast Asia, Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Bali, with a group of 28 strangers. This was in the days before mobile phones. So I was away for three weeks. I think I might have called them once. But they had complete faith in me that I would be able to look after myself manage myself, manage the environment, and I have to say I had a ball. And I I see that as a a really important moment. There's no doubt that I could do it, that I should go. I didn't for a moment think, oh, I can't, it's too difficult, what about all those strange people? Mm. And as I said, I had an absolute ball. They were always very encouraging. No was never really ever said, and I remember once when I was coming to the end of my school years and I thought... Okay, I'll finish school, I'll go to uni. I think I was thinking of doing law, get into law. And I thought, well, I'll take a couple of years off and I'll be a hostie, Mm. an air hostess, stewardess on on a plane. And I think they probably both thought that's just completely crazy (laughs) nonsense. But they never said no, so the idea just disappeared. So, um, yeah, look, I think they never prevented me from reading anything, from watching any sort of television there was nothing verboten. So, yeah, I really appreciate all that they did for me and the expectations were high, but it was fine. It was fine. I suppose, too, when it came to sport, we were a very sporty family. My father is a, was a dual Olympian in water polo, so we also always had that sort of, I suppose, unsaid but nice expectation that we children would become Olympians too. And my brother and I both did in different sports. So, yeah, so pressure probably, but it suited me. And um, here I am. I'm reflecting that is an amazing childhood to have where it's expected in some ways. Maybe not necessarily expected, but certainly not abnormal to become an Olympian. What an incredible childhood (laughs) expectation to have. I suppose I hadn't thought about it in those terms, abnormal. No, but it was sort of built into everything we did. You know, there was Dad, he was... He was an Olympian, very able tennis player and assorted other things. So, yeah, it was just, just yeah, part of our... just what you do. Just what you do. Yeah, right. yeah. You get into so sport, you play sport, you become good at it, you go to the Olympics. Yeah. That's what everybody does, surely. <laughs> Amazing. So, mm. you see, it sounds like this wonderful mix of freedom and responsibility in a way and mm. being encouraged to do whatever you wanted to do, whatever that may be. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Oh, well, thank you to your parents for doing that. And it's interesting when I have this conversation with people, it is often around that influence that parents have had. Mm. So, Mm. uh, And you you do take them for granted. As I said, I'm now not taking them for granted because I know that so much of what I've done and achieved has been because mm, of them. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Our conversation today, thinking about being an effective board member, You know, I listed off the huge array of boards that you've been on and 
Also, you've had such a diverse career. So, you know, as we've just said, you've been a sports person, you've been an Olympian, you've been a lawyer, an advisor, a board member. What do you think is the common thread in all of this that helps you to be an effective board member? I think there are quite a few. One is, as you said at the beginning, I like solving problems. Mm. I also like to think big. But then on the other hand, I'm very good at the detail and I'm very much a word person. Mm -hmm. So governance documents to me are sort of the holy grail of successful boards. And so I'm always keen to make sure that they're in their best shape and that they say what they mean and they mean what they say. And I think personally, I, I, you know, with all my years of rowing, I have a discipline, mm. uh, I have a focus, I have an approach to do my best and, you know, obviously in rowing that translates into winning, mm. not quite the same in boardland but still the same need to do and be the best, the best that I can. Mm. Plus a, an overall discipline, mm. I guess. Yep. And an ability to do what needs to be done, which obviously is subjective in some cases, but I'd say they're, the, they're probably the, the threads that sort of mm. hold me together and, you know, represent where I am now. Yeah, mm. that makes perfect sense. And it's the discipline, focus and doing your best and possibly as a board member, it's doing your best and also getting the best out of others. Yes, mm. yeah, and that's one of the hard things or one of the challenges so often um, on boards is is getting everyone to understand the need for performance. Yeah. Not that we all perform similarly or the same way, but that everybody has an obligation to mm. perform and not just sit around and, you know, say I'm on this board and put it on your CV. Oh. And I've seen that a few occasions that I'm sure you have too, Elia. Oh, my God, it drives, yes, drives yes. me nuts sometimes <laughs> when it's uh, about filling the CV other yes. than uh, anything else, which segues nicely in a way. Like, I have no doubt, shall we say, you've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. Let's start on the upside first, because otherwise if we go down the ugly path, we'll probably never come out of that no, one. I know. Mm. So from the boards that you've been on, when have you experienced or what have you seen in experiencing, you know, that really excellent, awesome boardroom that's filled with effective board members? Can you tell us about a time when you've experienced that? I, I'll answer this question by prefacing it with a comment about doing surveys. Mm. I would never give any answer on any survey as 10 out of 10 because that just says there's no room for improvement. <laughs> I am so you in this as well. <laughs> I never answer the top or the bottom. I'm with no, you entirely. No, no. So, so I apply the same to boards. So there's always room for improvement. But mm. I have been on some very good boards which are cohesive, purpose-driven, mm. don't waste time. People contribute. They're well-led. Mm-hmm. And the directors understand their their roles and their obligations. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to let them slide because that's what your expectations are. Mm. And it's the ones that perform badly or make bad decisions or have directors who don't understand their roles and their responsibilities mm. and just, you know, let stuff go through to the keeper or take the easiest way out, whatever they think the easiest is. Mm. And they're the things that you remember. And mm. probably like you, that they are the things that galvanise me in terms of my board leadership and governance training mm. to get people to understand what is not acceptable, mm. um, what is better practice, if not best practice, yep. 
and what reasonable expectations are around or are about the members of the board with whom you sit, you know, from month to month or however frequently your meetings are. So the good ones, you remember with a sort of a nice warm glow and the bad ones just stand out like, you know, rotting teeth. <laughs> they certainly do. <laughs> oh. Pretty awful analogy, but anyway. <laughs> no, well, I think we've all been there, unfortunately. Mm. Well, look, let, you talked about three things there, that about what's not acceptable, what's better practice, and what are reasonable expectations. So let's go there. What's not acceptable? Not acceptable, uh, screamingly obvious to me, is you rock up late, mm-hmm. you haven't read your papers, you pretend that you're reading your papers or, you know, going scrolling through them because everybody's on their computers now, where in fact... You're playing a game or you're sending a few emails. Don't speak Mm. for a whole meeting. I just can't understand that you can really sit through a whole meeting and not have a view on anything. Mm -hmm. And I've been on boards where that happens and occasionally someone might say something and I just don't think it's sufficient to, oh, yes, vote yes for the minutes, vote yes for the finance report, vote yes on whatever are the motions, Mm. without actually having your two bobs Mm -hmm. about something. Mm -hmm. It just strikes me as, well, just an unacceptable absence when you could have somebody sitting there who um, is actively contributing, thinking differently, thinking curiously, Mm. being creative, being provocative in a nice way, challenging, debating and thinking. And so I think that's one of the big unacceptables. Another is a very dominating chairman Mm. who you know, has the first, middle and last word Mm. and with whom uh, no one wishes to disagree and... You know, I think that that's really, really, really difficult and you may as well not be there. Yep. I've experienced this in bigger organisations. Sometimes the chairman and the CEO have basically worked stuff out yeah. before the meeting. Yes. And you go, why? Why am I here? You yes. know, chairman who guillotine conversations. And people who wish to interrogate the CEO's report. Mm. One of my sort of mantras, I suppose, or... or summations is that boards find doing process, what I call process management, very easy Mm. and strategy risk compliance very hard. So the defaulting to the easy of, well, we had an award ceremony, uh, we didn't have the right food. So, Mm. you know, (laughs) let's spend 15 minutes talking about what food we'll have next time. So again, it comes back to what what we mentioned earlier about people not understanding their roles yes. and what's truly expected them of them at the table. Yes, yes. You'd said about those conversations that are curious and uh, creative and provocative in a good way and challenging in a good way. Mm. Now, it's such a fine line, isn't it? it between is. good provocative and bad provocative, I guess, on the other side. Yeah. What keeps us in that really good provocative zone? Well, I think I think it's it's a collective openness to having robust discussions, mm. and they're often sort of those power imbalances, shall we say, at mm. boards, and sometimes chairmen particularly can become quite defensive if they are mm. challenged, and that that can have really serious repercussions and ramifications. So one of the other things I've been thinking a lot about is the fact 
that boards never have conversations about how they have conversations. Mm. Everyone's equal at the table. Everybody's got a right to have a say. Everybody's got one vote. Mm. And yet boards don't speak to each other. (laughs) Boards don't speak to each other about how they're going to speak to each other and what their tolerances are and what their expectations are. Yes. Uh, And I think without those regular resets of, of those expectations, things can go off the rail a bit too. So having robust conversations, I think, comes a lot down to the chair who Mm. will set the tone and who will encourage encourage debates and disagreement and dissension in the sense of not agreeing with, you know, a a proposition or a proposal. Yeah. It's interesting at the the recent AICD Governance Summit... um, the chair of one of the big major supermarkets spoke and he talked about board members having an obligation to dissent and that that's the mm. sort of board that he, mm. he encourages mm. so that it's seen as a good, constructive, productive thing rather than a chucking rocks thing. Yes. And it's a real art, I think, for chairs it to is. be able to have that sort of meeting because, I mean, groupthink is so much easier than oh, shocking. diversity. Shocking, shocking. Um, but easier. So so being able to really run that sort of boardroom where it is open for that productive, constructive debate is, mm, mm. yeah, it's a fine art. Well, particularly if, if a decision is actually a wrong decision mm. brought about by inertia and the character and personality of the chairman who has, who won't brook or doesn't understand that he doesn't know mm. what, what the proper outcome should be. That I find is really concerning and I've had a couple of those experiences Mm. in the not-too-distant past which have just left me aghast. So much so that I had to rewrite the minutes because they were completely wrong Mm. because of what hadn't been said properly at the board meeting. Can you, from your experience, tell us about a chair of one of your boards that has got it right? Uh, Yes, yes, it's a he who has an excellent manner mm-hmm. and uh, a great personality, very calm, completely knows the role, mm. completely knows how to manage a group of disparate people mm. and just keeps the group chatting, conversing, debating and discussing, doesn't guillotine, mm. doesn't direct but sums up beautifully mm. and you don't see them very often. Yes. And uh, he's terrific. Mm. So, um, you know, I learn a lot. I mean, his style and my style quite fundamentally different just as personalities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I try and sort of imbibe the, the, the vibe when um, I'm with him so I can be more like him. <laughs> <laughs> Pick up the good parts. Yeah, all the good parts. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah, mm. fantastic. And what do you think it is about from his experience or what's made him that way? I think it's a lot to do with his own personality mm. and his capacity to look at himself critically. Mm-hmm. He sometimes rings me mm-hmm. to get feedback, mm-hmm. and which is very nice. Mm-hmm. So many chairmen don't do that. Yeah. You know, they get in the role and they think they're expected to know it all, yes. do it all, 
you know, to sort of suck it out of the ether yes. from meeting to meeting to get it right. And I think that, that that's a really good example of what mm. to do to canvas your board members to say, did that work? How was that? What did you feel about that? And to build it in. So it's an egoless approach mm. and I think that that's something worth noting. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it, that you're facilitating the team rather than just at the front of the team. You're part of it and facilitating it in an egoless way. Yes, yeah, but, but nonetheless commandingly, Yeah, which is a, a fairly unusual combo mm. but one that works. Mm. So aren't too many chairmen around men, women who probably um, embody all those elements. You've talked a lot about reasonable expectations. What's it reasonable to expect of a board member? That they will be prepared, Mm. that they will know their stuff, that they will be prepared to learn. So from my point of view, I've been on several boards where I know almost nothing about the subject matter. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's incumbent upon me to learn enough to know how to contribute. Mm. I'll never know the ins and outs and the detail and I'm not expected to, but I think everybody should be prepared to continue to learn. Mm -hmm. Some directors just think their obligation is meeting to meeting Mm -hmm. and their involvement is... It's hard to say. I mean, if there are no expectations on them to do more, then it's hard, but turning up cold meeting to meeting can can be quite quite difficult. So I think that's a again a whole of board discussion to work out what the expectations are. Mm. But I think what I said before, I just expect people to talk, yes. to have a view. And you mentioned that I'd said creative and curious. And they're almost the main criteria qualities that I look for in a director. Mm. You can have your, your legal skills or your accounting skills or your cyber security or whatever it is. But ultimately, those are still skills you can buy into your organisation if you need them. But capacity to think brightly, creatively, curiously, I think is is key. Mm. And then to be willing to challenge, to avoid groupthink. And so you'd also mentioned much earlier about incorporating some of the better practices for these things. What are some of the things that boards can do in a very practical way to ensure that they're operating in a way that is acceptable, that has clear roles and responsibilities? I think one of the great difficulties is that there is no such thing as governance one plus one Mm. equals two. It's not maths, it's not science, and there's no absolute answer. Yes. And part of the difficulty with that is that a little bit of knowledge is thought by many to go a long way. And there seems to be a reluctance or a reticence or a refusal in some cases for directors to know that they don't know it all Mm. and to continue to learn. Every board meeting I go to, I learn something new. Mm. And I never, never stop learning. And you mentioned some of the board... well. The boards that you mentioned are only some of the ones that I've been on. Yes. But every single meeting at every for every single organisation yields something new. Yes. And, you know, I might have had a view about something and something will happen and I'll change my view about whatever mm. it might be. Mm-hmm. So I think that best practice will come out of, or best practices, good board husbandry, I suppose, in a way, to yes. use an ancient word, comes out of people knowing enough to know that they don't know everything. 
Is there an example you're able to tell us about where you went into a board meeting with some views and an open mind and maybe came out with a slightly different view than you went in? Oh, no, no, not off the top of my head, simply because I'd like to think that I'm always open mm. to different views and ideas mm. and I would never put myself in a diner ditch mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. I did once years ago. I voted against something, the spending of some money on a certain project for mm. one board mm. and I had my name recorded in the minutes as having voted against and it went pear-shaped and everybody said to me afterwards, we should have listened to you. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, no, I'm always open to mm. persuasion, yep. a better argument, mm-hmm. what's in the best interests. Yes. I don't dwell on that sort of stuff. Margot, <laughs> we've covered so many things off in our conversation. We have. What are the main points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? I think that as directors we have a duty to ourselves and to our organisations to be open-minded, to look, listen, learn, to constantly check that the way we think is okay that it doesn't need tweaking or whatever and to, to continue to always, always learn mm. because, as I said, governance, it's not fixed in time. And you think back, I think back to my early days, there was no such thing as as governance training. Everything mm. I learned, I sort of looked, listened, learned and, you know, asked questions. Then it came in and it bored the pants off everybody mm. and I think that probably turned a lot of people off. But I still think there's a lot of reading, there's a lot of conversations you can have even like ours today, and all the the wonderful people you've spoken to in your many squillions of uh, podcasts earlier, to glean things. So I think the learning and being open to doing things differently, but always always having your mind on the best interests of the organisation and that you're there for the ride and to help. And, you know, there might be a bit of honour and glory attached to it, not much, Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly not for profits, there's there's plenty of well, there's honour and glory and no no cash, um, <laughs> but that's not what you do it for. No, and I think that, that's I, what you've become an Olympian for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what no cash? Yeah. Not well. I was thinking more the honour and glory. Oh, but, the honour uh, and glory. Yes, yeah. plenty of honour and glory being an Olympian, and also no cash when you're a rower. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I guess I guess they're my my thoughts. Mm. Um, pay attention to the detail. Yes, the detail as a lawyer. You know, a lapse lawyer, as you're a lapse lawyer, Mm. we know the value of attention to detail and and the importance of crossing T's and dotting I's and having your documents, your fundamental documents, really work for you. So uh, neglect them at your peril. (laughs) Mm. Fantastic. And is there a resource you would like to recommend for the Take On Board community? Well, thank you, yes. I have uh, been on LinkedIn almost since it started, I think, in this country. But Mm. until early last year, I was very inactive, um, but now I am more active and Mm. I regularly post on board and governance-related topics. So I'd be delighted if everyone, anyone, everyone was to um, check me out and if they like what they read, to follow me. Fantastic. Well, look, we'll make sure we put a link to your a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes to make it easy for everybody to find. And yeah, I've seen some of your pearls of wisdom doing the rounds <laughs> on LinkedIn and it is fabulous to see. Thank you. 
Oh, thank you so much for joining me today. We've been back and forth a few times to try and make this happen, so I'm overjoyed that we finally did. Thank you so much, and thank you to Richard Dent for introducing us many months ago and finally making this happen. So thank you for coming and sharing your wisdom with us and the Take On Board community today. I really appreciate it. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Helia. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together, so it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation. 